Hi, we've got three stories from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn how male and female narcissists are different, why you should not put coffee grounds in your garden, and how often you should clean your keyboard and how to do it. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Hey, Ashley, do you know how to spot a narcissist? Is it someone who's just like gazing in the mirror all the time? Well, it depends, Mm. actually. Interesting. Curiosity follows research on lots of mental conditions like narcissism, and we found that narcissists behave differently depending on whether they're male or female. Before I get into the differences, first, what is a narcissist? Narcissistic personality disorder is defined by Mayo Clinic as a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, troubled relationships, and a lack of empathy for others. And it's actually not that rare. According to a 2009 study, about 6% of Americans have narcissistic personality disorder. Wow. Yeah. So if you want to spot a narcissist, there are a few major clues, like if somebody is totally full of himself or herself, completely self-absorbed, not having time for anybody else, that kind of thing. But not all narcissists are created equal, and that's according to a recent meta-analysis of three decades of narcissism research. And this included more than 475,000 participants. The team looked at three aspects of narcissism. First, leadership and authority. Second, grandiose exhibitionism. And third, exploitative or entitlement. And they found that male and female narcissists did not score evenly across these groups. The widest gap in scores was in the entitlement camp, suggesting that male narcissists are more likely to feel entitled to certain things and exploit people than female narcissists are. The exhibitionism aspect, on the other hand, had no gap at all. So both genders are equally likely to display vanity or self-absorption. The researchers also found that men, on average, are more narcissistic than women, And they think that could actually explain some broader gender disparities. The study's lead author said that narcissism is associated with various interpersonal dysfunctions like unethical behavior, aggression, not being able to hang on to healthy long-term relationships. But she said that narcissism also has been shown to boost self-esteem, emotional stability, and the tendency to emerge as a leader. And so the team speculates that gender stereotypes might showcase or suppress which narcissistic traits either gender expresses. So like in a culture where women are criticized for being aggressive or authoritative, that might create pressure for women to suppress displays of narcissistic behavior. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So there are some broader implications. Of course, there's much more research to be done. But if you're looking for narcissistic traits in a person... Now you know what to keep an eye out for. Yeah, men and women are different. Cody, do you do any gardening? I do. Yeah, I'm a back balcony, despite oh. living in an apartment. What do you grow? Flowers. Cool. <laughs> I just kind of go to the store and pick up whatever looks pretty and might bloom, and there you go. Nice. Well, do you ever put any compost or coffee grounds or anything in your garden? I have put used coffee grounds on the soil I guess, to help flowers grow. Right. Well, Curiosity researched this and you should stop doing that immediately. Oh, no. Yes. We found that this is actually not the best idea. So coffee grounds do have nutrients like nitrogen, which is essential for plant growth. And, you know, people say it can be good for your garden to add organic material to the soil in general, since bacteria will feed on it and break it down into more nutrients for the plants. But if you research this online, you know, people will say coffee grounds are highly acidic, So you should only use them with acid-loving plants like azaleas and blueberries. And if your soil already has a bunch of nitrogen, then the extra boost might stunt the growth of fruits and flowers. But the biggest problem is that coffee grounds are full of caffeine. 
and that is bad for your garden. But like coffee and chocolate are plants, right? And they contain caffeine. Totally. But have you ever wondered why? Like, why do they make caffeine? There's got to be a reason since those two plants aren't even related. Coffee and chocolate plants evolved the ability to make caffeine independently. That's something biologists call convergent evolution. So when two species evolve the same trait completely on their own, that trait is probably pretty important. Think wings on bats and birds or eyes on humans and squids. We're not related, but we both evolved them because they're important to our survival. Well, for caffeine, that reason is competition. It kills off any plants in the surrounding area. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, so that's bad. A recent study in the journal Urban Forestry and Urban Greening said that applying spent coffee grounds directly to urban agriculture soils, quote, greatly reduces plant growth, end quote. And that was true even when they composted the coffee grounds with other organic waste, which a lot of people say you should do. Another study found that compost spiked with coffee grounds can kill earthworms. And remember how adding organic material to your soil can attract helpful bacteria? Well, coffee grounds also have antibacterial properties. So maybe drink the coffee yourself and keep your grounds out of the garden. Yikes. Yeah. And while you might think that all the caffeine is gone once you brew the cup of coffee, spent coffee grounds still have about as much caffeine as a cup of tea. Wow. Yeah. You're still doing some harm to your garden. Just in time for gardening season. Just in time. Don't do it. All right, so Ashley, what is the dirtiest thing you come into contact with every day? A toilet seat, right? So actually, no, toilet seats actually aren't really that bad. I guess, yeah, people clean them all the time. Well, yeah, there was a professor of microbiology at the University of Arizona who told the BBC there aren't actually that many things cleaner than a toilet seat when it comes to germs. Wow, we're just, it's just a big myth that everybody's spreading all over the place. Yeah, fun fact. Well, bad news That dirtiest thing you might come into contact with might be your keyboard. Ooh. Yeah. A recent study from the University of Arizona found that the typical desk has 400 times more bacteria than a toilet seat. Although, again, toilet seats kind of get a bad rap, but still, keyboards can be gross. A study from Northwestern Memorial Hospital found that two drug-resistant and deadly bacteria could survive for up to 24 hours on a keyboard. So, microbiologists recommend that public keyboards in mice should be disinfected at least once a week. If you're the only one using your keyboard, chances aren't quite as high that you'll get sick from the germs on it. But hey, better safe than sorry. So how do you stay clean? The National Center for Health Research recommends these steps. First, wash your hands before doing anything on the keyboard. Once your hands are dry, turn off your computer, unplug it, and then turn the keyboard upside down and shake out any gross debris hiding in the key openings. Oh man, mine is so full of crumbs. It's disgusting. Yeah. And you don't want to shake too hard if you're shaking your laptop upside down, but you can also use a can of compressed air to help in in case, again, you don't want to be throttling your $2,000 gaming laptop. (laughs) Then dampen a cotton swab with water or isopropyl alcohol. Don't get it really wet, just a little damp. Then dab between the keys with the swab and then dampen a lint-free cloth and wipe down the rest of the keyboard. And you're set. If you've never cleaned your keyboard before, do it. Do it now. Yeah. You can read more about this and all of the stories we talked about today on Curiosity.com. Join us again tomorrow for the Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.